Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. We want to jump straight into what we have for you today. And so we are, cl- we are closing out the Climb series, all right? So as we close out the Climb series, we want to put some stuff on your radar and give you this because we want to talk to you a little bit today about fighting the good fight, all right? So say fight. All right, one more time. Look at whoever you're sitting next to on the couch and say fight, all right? So fight the good fight. Now, there's one thing I hate. I hate yard work. I hate yard work. Like yard work, dishes, and laundry, if I never did those again, it'd be totally fine. Now, I won't lie to you. Uh, we did get a riding lawnmower at our house. And so that has changed the game a little bit. But here in August, it's still not my favorite thing to do. But what I hate is yard work, the trees and the edging and the weed eating and all that stuff. And so we have this tree that's right in our front yard where our driveway is. And there's a little sidewalk that goes to our front step. And there's this tree, right? And like it grew and grew and grew. It was a huge tree when we first moved into our house. And so finally, I was done with it. It's all in the way. And so I, we cut it off at the roots, like cut it off right there where the grass starts, right? And so, man, we used to have to trim it occasionally. And finally, like I said, I got tired of it. Uh, and so he cut it off where you couldn't see it anymore. Like it was, it was gone. But how many of you guys know that it doesn't matter how much you cut away the branches, it still grows back. Like, so it didn't matter that we kept cutting it away. It kept growing back and growing back and growing back. And for many of us, How I feel about that tree is the way you feel about the things we've already talked about in the Climb series. You see, we talked about harnessing our thoughts, our words, and our emotions. And for some of you, harnessing it the first day was easy. The second day was kind of hard. But come the third, fourth day, third, fourth week, month, year, how many of you know that many of you, your thoughts, your words, and your emotions default back to growing old habits the same way that tree grew old branches. Like it grows right back to where it was. And for some of you today, we want to talk to you about changing that. See, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this, do not be anxious about anything, right? So don't be anxious about anything. So don't let your your thoughts, your words, your emotions, like we already talked about in the weeks past, don't let any of those things get away with you. But in every situation with like, so in every situation by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, right? So, so if we don't be anxious about anything, don't let your emotions, don't let your words, don't get your thoughts, get away with you. Present your request to God, right? So rather than feeling, rather than thinking, rather than speaking first, right? What, instead of doing all of those things, God's saying, I want you to pray first. So don't be anxious, just pray. It says, if you present your request to God. So what he's looking for is he's looking for us to have action in the right area, before we let our thoughts, words, and emotions get away to the wrong area, right? So I said it like this, rather than thinking, speaking, and feeling, and then praying for help, what God is asking us to do, he's saying, I want you to pray first and let your prayer change the outcome of your thoughts, words, and feelings. He's saying, I want faith to be the pinnacle of difference for how you're gonna think, how you're gonna speak, and how you're gonna feel. Now, that's hard because how many guys know that means we're gonna think it, speak it, and feel it before we know it. Now, here's the hard part with that, right? Is when it comes down to it, we haven't experienced it yet, but that's exactly what Hebrews 11.1 tells us. It says, now faith is the certainty 
of things hoped for. So faith is the certainty of things that we're hoping for with the proof of the things we haven't even seen yet. So faith is what you're declaring. Faith is what you're believing. Faith is what you're feeling, what you're thinking based on your prayers, even though you have no evidence for it. That's what faith is. And so that's what God is looking for us to practice. Then he goes on back to Philippians 4, where we've used this every week. He goes on, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, right? He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about those things. You see, what I want to talk to you about today is when it comes to the climb, you've got to fight this fight on a spiritual level. When it comes to the climb, you've got to fight this fight on a spiritual level. You're not going to be able to fight this tangibly, right? And so here's a question. Why do we struggle to fight spiritually? That's a good question. Why do we struggle to fight spiritually? How come, even though we know God is real, we know Jesus is real, we know God's spirit, the Holy Spirit is with us. How do, why do we struggle so much to fight spiritually? Well, I believe the answer is because we lack faith. Like we lack real genuine faith. You see, many of us, we punch the wall, we flip over the table, we kick the couch, we scream, we thrash, we shake, we get all violent. You want to know why? Because we're doing and fighting and acting in the only arena that we have control over. Like we have control. Everything in, of us, want, everything in us wants to fight this fight in the natural which is why we try to do natural things to win spiritual battles. But what if everything you're fighting is a little more spiritual than you thought it was? And what if the solution to what you're going through is spiritual as well? What if the greatest tools you can fight with were spiritual? The Bible says they are. So we want to show you, because here's the problem. We want control, don't we? So we act out in the areas that we have control. So for many of us, this is our solution. When things don't go away, when we're in the climb, when things are difficult, here's what we do, right? We start to mask everything we feel with things that aren't real, right? Case in point, what do we do? Some of you, your tendency when things aren't going your way, your tendency when you get into a spiritual battle is just to lash out at everything. Anger consumes you. For some of you, you just pretend you're fine. Like, hey, everything's good. I'm just, I'm fine. Everything's fine. But it's not fine. For some of you, you just like to fake your fantasy, you hop on Instagram, you start posting all these things that look like life is perfect, but life is not perfect. You have completely let yourself try to fake everybody else out, but you can't fake yourself out because you're the one that knows that it's not real. For some of us, we just put on the funny guy veneer. Let's make jokes, let's laugh about it, because if I can laugh about it, I don't have to really deal with what I'm going through. For some of us, we numb ourselves. Maybe it's a substance, maybe it's a TV show, maybe it's Netflix. Maybe it's something you watch, something you listen to, something you partake in that numbs you to the reality that you're not quite happy with where you are because you know there's a climb ahead of you. But there's actions we can take. And then this one, one that I think is bad, especially in church circles, is the Christian overcompensation mask. So the Christian overcompensation mask works like this. You know, I know I shouldn't be going through things because I'm saved, so let me put on this mask and pretend everything's okay. But the, that doesn't help either, does it? You see, the problem with masking our issues, the problem with masking our issues is it means we never actually deal with them. And since we never actually deal with them, 
We're staying in a fight that we can't get ourselves out of. I remember uh, there was a buddy of mine who used to go play basketball with us every once in a while. And every time he would show up to the court, he would have fresh J's on, an outfit that matched his J's. He would have like six armbands on every arm, a headband. He had leg bands. I don't even know where you get leg bands for basketball. He had like just everything, right? So he was decked out head to toe. And when he showed up, people were like, oh man, this dude must be a baller. He was garbage. He was trash. Here's the reality. He looked like he knew what he was doing, but every time he got on the court, we ate his lunch. And for some of you, you got the right Instagram posts. You bought the good Bible on Amazon. You know how to post the good quotes, but the enemy's eating your lunch. Because you've tried to pretend being something you're really not. But what if we could be equipped to fight these battles in a real way and really win? Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. We're not fighting in the natural, we're fighting in the spiritual. So we need to be using spiritual tools. So I wanna give you some weapons so that you can change how you fight. That's my goal today. I wanna give you some weapons so you can change how you fight. Now, what's great is each one of these weapons correlates to something we've already talked about in the climb series, our thoughts, our words, and our feelings. So let's get to it. Prayer is the first one. And prayer changes the words we speak. Prayer changes the words that we speak. You say, how does, how does that happen? Well, let me put it this way. When we pray, it changes our awareness of what we're praying for. Let me help you out with this. It gets real hard to cuss out the coworker at work that you're praying for. It gets real hard to snap on the spouse that you're praying with. Like for some of us, the reality is our marriage doesn't need a counselor as much as it needs us praying in it because it gets real hard to snap on the spouse that you're praying for. It gets real hard to always identify all the issues in the person that we're holding their hands and praying over. The reality is prayer changes the words that we speak. And when it changes the words that we speak, it changes the narrative that we're playing in our head that we're speaking from. Psalm 37 Seven through nine says this, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. So be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. And then it goes on to say this later on, those who trust in the Lord will possess his promises. You see, what many of you need to start doing is praying about your situation instead of complaining about your situation. What many of us need to do is change how we speak, change how we pray for what we're looking for rather than just talking about what we're looking for. Some of you don't need to call your girlfriend anymore and complain to them about the person that you're dating. Some of you need to start calling someone that'll hold you accountable to become the woman of God that God is calling you to be. You see, when we pray about our situation, it doesn't just change our situation, it changes us in our situation. So prayer changes things. So what could happen if we started praying about everything before we started doing anything? What if we started praying about everything before we started doing anything? What could God do differently, not just in our circumstances, but in us? So how do we change our words? It starts with prayer. Number two is scripture stands against the lies that we believe. Scripture 
stands against the lies that we believe. So we talked about thoughts, right? How thoughts can consume us, how thoughts can own us. Well, the reality is scripture stands against the lies that we believe. The greatest thing you can have for all the thoughts that tell you you're not something when you are or you are something when you're not, the greatest thing we can have is truth against those lies. Well, where does truth come from? It comes from right here. So what does that mean? Well, let's go to Psalm 19, seven through eight, because it says this, the instructions of the Lord are perfect reviving the soul, right? The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The instructions, right? The decrees, the commandments, what are those things? That's his word. So you know what? If you're looking for revival in your soul, a refreshing to be poured out from you. If you're looking for simplicity to step into very complex seasons of your life, if you're looking for joy to come into your heart, you don't need more circumstantial change. What you need is more truth in the midst of chaos. And it all comes from the word and the Psalms are a great place to start. If you're looking for encouragement, go to the Psalms. And I encourage you, if you just read one chapter of Psalms a day, it will revive something new inside of you. Because here's the problem. We settle on what we dwell on. We settle on what we dwell on. Like we find truth in what we dwell on, don't we? Like if I think about it long enough, it becomes my reality, whether it's real or not. So we settle on what we dwell on, uh, dwell on. It's kind of like what they call rumination, right? So if you've ever heard of rumination, uh, that's the idea that when a, cha- a, a cow chews, sorry, when a cow chews its grass, not to be gross, but it'll swallow the grass, then it'll kind of throw it back up, chew on it some more, get all the nutrients out of it, swallow it again, throw it back up, chew on it some more, get all the nutrients, and it'll keep doing that. Why? It's trying to get all the nutrients out of that grass that it can. It's called rumination. And so what's happening in Psalms 1, 1 through 3, is God is showing us what that looks like. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who, that word meditates, that word is the same as the rumination idea on his law day and night. In other words, he's saying blessed is the one whose delight is in the truth of the scriptures and who constantly goes back to it to chew on it over and over again. I'm not just going to read my daily passage and then close my Bible and I'm going to come back to it tomorrow with my cup of coffee. No, no, no. What does it mean to really chew on this over and over again where it says, you know what, God, the joy of my heart is your word. The truth of who I am is found right here. I'm declaring what truth is that's going to combat the lies and it's all coming from right here. I'm going to ruminate on that. You see, the problem is rumination can lead to devastation. So rumination, constantly chewing on something, it can lead to devastation. What does that look like? Anybody ever ruminated? Have you ever chewed on? Have you ever dwelled on? Have you ever meditated on lies that were in your head and you just let that reel play over and over and over again? Like how annoying is it that you can't get that thing out of your head and it keeps you up at night? You can't eat, you can't sleep, you can't do anything because this reel is playing and it's not even truth, it's just this devastation of rumination. You're never gonna be anything your mom wasn't anything, your grandma wasn't anything, you're never gonna be anything. Everyone in your family's always been divorced. Your, your, your parents were divorced, your grandparents were divorced, your great-grandparents, and guess what's, gonna, guess what's gonna happen to your marriage? You're gonna have the same thing. That rumination where you just dwell. Your father was a drug addict, your grandfather was a drug addict, guess what you're gonna be? Rumination, you're dwelling on it. That boss at your work doesn't love you, they're thinking this about you. Those friends that you, you thought cared about you, they're really starting to lean this way and they don't, they don't love you the way that they used to. What are you doing? Rumination. 
You're just sitting there chewing on something. And hear me, you're getting all the bad stuff out of it instead of the good stuff. And you're dwelling on what's destroying you. But the same way rumination can lead to devastation, rumination can also lead to revelation. Because what we can also do is come in and start chewing on the fact that I am who he says I am. I will be who he says I will be. I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a son of the king. And I don't know what's going to go on out there. This may not look the way I want it to look, but I'm believing, I'm knowing, I'm standing on who God says I am. And I'm trusting that with everything in me, I know God is going to lead me. I know he's going to guide me. I know he's going to encourage me, man. I know what he's doing. And Psalms 1, 1 through 3, it starts with blessed is the one, right, who's, who meditates on a day and night. But this is where it goes to. Are you ready? He says, that person... That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So when we ruminate on revelation, when we ruminate on who God is, when we chew on it, when we meditate on it, when we keep coming back to it over and over again, no, I know this is how I feel, but this is what God says. I know this is what I feel. This is what God says. I know the circumstances look like this, but this is what God says. And we meditate on that and we stick on that. You know what it says? We're like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Now check this out because I want you to get this on that scripture. All right. I want them to make sure that this is on the screen because I want you to see this. It says it yields its fruit and season and whose leaf does not wither. You see, the problem is for many of us, when the circumstances are right, right? So the fruit grows on the tree, Psalms 1, 1 through 3, the fruit grows on the tree. Well, guess what? When it's in spring season, fruit grows on every tree. You know what that means? When the circumstances are right, it don't take anything special. You don't have to be a good tree when the circumstances are right for you to grow good fruit. When the circumstances are right, it don't take anybody special for good things to keep happening. When the circumstances, when the environment is right, when, this, when it's growing season, it's easy to know that you're in growing season and to produce fruit. But what they're saying in Psalms 1, 1 through 3, what they're saying there is that you'll be like the tree planted by the water. That even when you're in the dry season, you can produce good fruit. Like even when you're in the season where you feel like everything's going wrong, my source doesn't need to be circumstantial because I'm tapped into the river of joy. I don't need it to come from out there. I don't need it to come from out there. I don't need it to come from the situation. The circumstances don't have to be perfect for me to have good fruit. You know where my good fruit's coming from? The fact that I'm connected to a source that never runs dry. So what happens when we meditate on God's word and what he says about us, we're connected to a source that never runs dry. That's why the scriptures are so important to combat the lies that we believe, which takes us to number three, which is praise. You see, praise strengthens the action we take. So today we're talking about action and praise strengthens the action that we take. In the Bible, there's a story about a city called Jericho. God is bringing his people to Jericho. And as he's bringing his people to Jericho, these are huge walls that are standing in front of him. God says, I promise you, you're gonna take this city. Matter of fact, he, he looks at him, Joshua 6, two through five, it's breaking up this text. It says, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. So God's making them a promise. I've delivered it into your hands. And so he gives them instruction, right? So God says, I've already done the work. I just need your obedience. How frustrating is that? When God comes alongside and says, I've already done the work. All I need from you is obedience. 
And you're like, God, I'd really like to do the work and not the obedience, actually. He says, I've already done the work. What I need for you is to do what I say. And so he gives the commandment and he says, all right, on the first day, I want you to march around the walls of Jericho one time. On the second day, two times. On the third day, three times. And he goes all the way up to the seventh day. And each day they marched those numbers. Now, I want you to imagine here for a second, you've been walking through a desert. You're trying to get somewhere and God says, hey, I want you to, I want you to stop at these, these walls. And I don't want you to fight the army. I just want you to walk in circles for a while. How frustrating is that? God, I'm here for an action plan. Like, I'm here, I'm here to go. God says, cool, but I don't want you to pick up your sword. I want you to walk. Let me make that tangible for you. God, I'm ready for my new job. God says, cool, I'm not looking for you to go get a new job. I'm looking for you to be faithful at the one you're at. And you're going, but God, I'm ready to go. He says, cool, but that's not what I need. What I'm looking for out of you is obedience, not action. I'll make sure that the action happens. I want to know if you'll be obedient first, even when it doesn't make sense. And man, that's where it gets hard. Because it's like, God, I don't know. And I can imagine them walking around on the first day like, ah, this is kind of weird, but we'll ride with it. Second day, twice. All right, sounds good. On day five, you're like, this is ridiculous. And then on day seven, on day seven, because seven in the Bible is a number of completion because God brings all things to completion for those who are obedient in him. He says this in Joshua 6, 20, when the trumpet sounded, it says, the armies shouted, say shouted. Come on, look at the person on your couch, say shouted. If no one's in your house, say it back to me, shouted. The armies shouted and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. Now, I was in Israel recently, and, and they say it like this. They said the walls didn't crumble. They say there's no evidence the walls even existed. They said, the story goes, the earth opened up and swallowed the walls into it and then closed again. It, they went away. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Hear me. What you need for your action step is obedience and faith. What you need is to keep moving, trusting God, and listening for his guidance, even when it doesn't make sense. But here's the other part. I want you to grab a hold of this. For some of you, there's going to be power in your shout. For some of you, you have neglected the part of Christianity where you open your mouth and scream. You've neglected the part of your prayer life where you go from, oh, God, I just really pray and I hope that things go well. Where you start, God, I need you for my family. I need you in this job. I need you to show up in these circles. I don't know what I'm going to do about this pink slip. But then that scream goes from a yell, a tension, an anxiousness, an anxiety. And it goes to faith. God, I'm believing that you're going to come through in this. There's, a, there's power in your shouts. Because it wasn't the walking that got the walls to fall down. It was the obedience followed by the shout, the praise. There is power in your praise, not just in your prayer, in your praise, in your declaration, in opening your mouth. Man, there's, there's some truth in that and we need to grab a hold of it. What, what if the real breaking that needs to happen isn't in your circumstances, it's in you? What if God doesn't want to change anything about where you're at? He wants to change you where you're at. Because that's what God sometimes is looking for. You see, 
Some of us need to get away from pretty Christianity and start getting to gritty Christianity. Levi Lusco says it like this, sometimes the mountain that needs to move is inside of you. Sometimes the mountain that needs to move is inside you. But we don't like that. Which brings us to my next one, fourth one. Worship combats the emotions we feel. Worship combats the emotions that we feel. See, worship is an offensive weapon because it reminds you of the power of who's in charge. You see, for many of us, we are finding ourselves in this place where we have not allowed our worship, we have not allowed our belief in, we have not allowed the reality of who God is. We have not allowed our song to develop. We have not started declaring the goodness and the beauty and majesty of God. We see God as the one that got us out of hell, but we do not see him as the king who's looking to reign forever in heaven. And for many of us, we are missing out on the fact that God desires that our worship would be intact because our worship changes things. Because our worship doesn't change God, our worship changes our posture towards him. It's an offensive weapon because it changes something in us it gets us back in alignment to say, you know what, God, I don't know what's going on around me, but I know you've come through here, and I know you've come through here, and I know you've come through here, and this is who you are, and this is what you've declared, and this is truth, and I'm believing in you. Psalm 94, 19. Lord, this is David writing, who, if you read the Psalms, you'll see a good little yo-yo of emotions. He says, Lord, when doubts fill my mind, have you ever been there? God, when doubts fill my mind, When my heart is in turmoil, your presence quiets me and gives me renewed hope and cheer. You see, God's presence is experienced in worship. Let me say it again. God's presence is experienced in worship. He says, your presence quiets me and gives me renewed hope and cheer. I don't need my circumstances to change, God. I'm praying that they will, but I don't need them to change. What I need is to experience you. And for some of you, you have not hit the pause button in a while, and you can feel it. For some of you, you you haven't slowed things down and experienced the presence of God in a while. And you can feel it. That angst, that hurt. For some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a heaviness sitting right here. And hear me, you may need to talk to someone, you may need medication, but I can promise you what you need more than any of those things. Maybe in addition to those things, but more than any of those things, is you need the presence of God. You need to experience true, genuine freedom. The Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Freedom from the pain, freedom from the circumstances, freedom from, even though they may not have gone away, what if you could feel the freedom of the weight of them? And that's that's what we're, 
talking about here, and David knew this all too well. He says it in Psalm 42, 11. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? He's talking to himself. Why are you so tired? Why do you feel this way? Why so disturbed within me, he says. And he's talking to himself. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. This is all going crazy. I don't know what's going on. And he speaks to himself. Put your trust in God. Why am I downcast? Why do I feel this way? You know what? Put your trust in God. And for some of you, we wanted to create a moment for you today, right now, actually. We wanted to create a moment for you to, if you haven't had it all week, to sit still and experience the presence of God with a song that declares that God is for you and he's with you. Right now, wherever you are, if you're sitting on your couch, wherever, I want you to block out everything going on in your house right now. Anything going on at the Starbucks that you're at or whatever's going on. I want you to experience the presence of God with us right now for just a moment. We're gonna let our team sing this song. Right, guys. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you.
time creating moments where you could truly and honestly let God have some time and that's made it difficult for you and I pray number 6 24 through 26 would be something that you keep nearby you that the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give you 
peace. I talked to you about that tree in my front yard, the one that kept growing. So uh, it used to be a full tree. We cut it down to the roots and we cut it off at the roots. And then what we realized is the problem is just because you can't see it anymore doesn't mean it's not still there. For some of you, you've done your best for your thoughts and your words and your feelings. But here's what I realized is I saw it growing a little more. And so we cut it down at the surface and I saw it growing a little more. And then I didn't really think much about it, honestly. I was like, oh man, that's kind of growing. And then one day, man, suddenly we're walking one day, we're getting out of our cars and we're walking onto the sidewalk and it had grown to the point that we had to walk off the sidewalk to get around it because it was just all in the way. Like it was all in our business. Just like we couldn't get like, ah, ah. and then like it rained. So the leaves are wet and it's getting all over you. And you got to get around it. I was like, man, this is, I was like, I don't even remember this tree growing. I don't even remember it like growing out to this point. It was like, it was like one day it was gone and the next day it was there, but that's not the reality. The reality is incrementally, little by little, it was growing. And it wasn't until it got in my way that I realized it was a problem again. And for many of us, our thoughts and our words and our actions, our feelings, we cut them off at the surface and we feel like we're good. And then all of a sudden, one day, they're in our way again. And we realize we never really got rid of them. We just cut them down to size. You see, we never saw it growing back, but it slowly grew its way back into our life, which is how some of this goes. You see, the problem is, it wasn't an issue as long as we were managing the limbs. It wasn't an issue as long as we kept it trim. But just like with our emotions, just like with our thoughts, just like with our words, you can't always manage it, can you? Sometimes life just gets a little crazy. Some of us, we've made every attempt to manage our thoughts and, and all of those things. But what happens when you're not paying attention? What happens when, when your attention is on something else? What happens when you're focused elsewhere? What happens when you're not minding your P's and Q's and, and you're, you've been pulled away to look at something else or stress has consumed you, chaos is in the way, COVID is this, your parents are this, your kids are this. And all of a sudden you realize that that tree that you had managed very well has grown back and it is with all hell's fury coming back into your life. And it's not here to annoy you, it's here to destroy you. You see, dealing with what you're going through isn't about trimming branches, it's about cutting out roots. The reality is you don't need your branches trimmed back and manage your thoughts, your words, and your emotions. You need to cut out the root of what is holding you in bondage that is driving your thoughts, your words, and your emotions. Maybe it's because someone never really loved you properly. Maybe it's because that other marriage fell apart. Maybe it's because you have no confidence in yourself because everything you feel like you put your hand to, you failed at. And now it's like these branches keep growing in your way of insecurity, of self-worth, 
of lacking validation, of feeling like your marriage is over. I can't get any relationships right. I don't know if anyone could love me. Why would they do that to me? And these branches just keep growing in your life. Yeah, that's some of you. I'm talking to you right now. And the reality is this. God never called us to trim branches. He called us to cut our roots. And it's time you start using scripture, prayer, praise, and worship as offensive weapons to destroy the roots of your life that are dictating the behaviors of your life so that you can deal with once and for all the things that keep owning you because that's what it looks like to fight well. Second Timothy 4, 7 through 8, Paul's talking towards the end of his journey and he says it like this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished my race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, he's going to award me on that day. There is a future for you that is bright. There is a purpose for you that is waiting. And God has more for you than to a life to where you're just trimming branches. He's got a life where he wants to plant some new things. He wants to change some things. And it's time that you stop letting bad days become bad weeks and bad weeks become bad months and bad months become bad years and bad years become bad decades. And it's time that something new starts in your life. Why? Because what if we started fighting spiritually with God on our side, not to manage our behaviors, but to experience the new life of freedom that Jesus wants you to experience. The life is available to you. Between you and God, it's obtainable. I wanna pray for you right now. Father, for every person that is here, they're listening to me right now. Maybe they're watching me on the couch. They're listening to a podcast. And God, they've heard my voice. They've heard your word. And they said, you know what? You're right. I'm done trimming branches. I'm ready to destroy this thing because I want the life that God has for me. God, I pray right now, you give them the confidence, the boldness, the awareness, the wisdom on how to get rid of the thing that's holding them captive so that they can pursue a true life and freedom. Let them trust the people around them to help them. But God, let them find true hope and joy in you because that's our source. You are our source. Lead them and guide them in Jesus' name. If you're watching this right now or listening and you need Jesus in your life, your sin, like all of ours, has separated you from God, but you're ready for what Jesus did on the cross when he died for you to pay for your sins, to give you access back to God so you don't have to wear that sin and shame anymore. You're ready for that to be applied to your life. I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. I know I've sinned. Give me a fresh start. Give me a new beginning. I believe you died for me. So now I trust in you and I give you my life. I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, 
Amen and amen.